Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. You know, we like to cross lines, you know. We're, we're just the body of Christ. We're all the body of Christ. We're the family of God. And uh, God's big, and he has a big heart, and he thinks really big, bigger than us. But one of our uh, assignments is, at this time in our life, after 40 years of ministry, is going forth and making sure that the church is established on a firm foundation. Yes. What the Lord uh, asked me one day, or really gave me a commission, said, ask the church how strong is their spirit yes. Yes. and how prepared is their life? So that that's the message is, are you prepared for the end times? Are you prepared for this day that we live in? How strong is your spirit? Proverbs 18, 14 tells us that the strong spirit of a man shall sustain him in bodily pain or trouble. There it is. In trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can bear. So we want to make sure, church, yes, that our yes. hearts, our spirits are strong and we're immovable, we're unshakable. Rob and I have been through many, many mm-hmm. heartaches, many trials. You know, in Matthew 7, in the Gospels, there's the parable. Jesus told us, he said, storms will come. Yes. You know, the storms of life will come. The winds will blow against the house or against your life. But those that are built on a rock or the firm foundation, and you have the word of God planted in your heart, when the winds and the storms of life and trials and tribulations come, you'll not be moved. That's right. It's like years ago, the Lord gave me that message about build the ark in your yes. heart. Yes. before the floods of life come against your life. Build that ark of safety that you'll float above the, yes. the, the storms of life. So that's really uh, like what we like to do and awaken what's inside of you so you'll be awake and ready. Amen? Amen. So I also like, if you'll bring up that scripture in Romans 1, uh, this is Paul telling us, he said in verse 11, I'm yearning to see you. Of course, we love to see you every Sunday that we're here. (laughs) Last Sunday we were out ministering, but I'm yearning to see you that I may impart and share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen and establish you. So today, as Rob shares the word of God, I'm just greeting you. Don't take time away from Rob. No. (laughs) I'll make it quick. So we we you just, want you just go ahead and take my time. I saw. Okay, okay. So, as Paul said, and as we say, we are here to share with you some spiritual gift that will strengthen and establish you. That is, that we may mutually, mutually be strengthened and encouraged and comforted by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Yes, yes. So that's what we want to do. Uh, Coastal Family Church. Y'all are really good people. Yes, yes, yes. Do I sound real Southern? Because <laughs> I was born in, I was born in Bartow, Florida. How many, how many know where Bartow is? How many Tell don't, me, how many, people how many, know where Bartow, Florida is. How many is? don't know where Bartow is? Oh my gosh! How many couldn't care less where Bartow is? <laughs> it's a good place to be from. From. To move from, <laughs> right? 
But anyway, you're wonderful people. We love the body of Christ. Yes, yes, we yes. love the word of God. You know, and our heart is to see you established on yes. a firm foundation as your pastor and many others are teaching you the word of God. Take it and let it sink down in your spirit because yes, yes, yes. you'll be prepared. Just think about it. You'll have that ark built, right? Yes. You'll have that ark built, and you'll be strong, immovable, and you will abound in the things of God. Amen? Yes. Okay, I'll sit down and let you minister. Are you through? Yeah, no. maybe. Thank you, Norma. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my. Well, this is, uh, I say thank you, Pastor. And, and I, I truly mean this. To be able to share with your flock with your congregation, the people God has set you over. And I never, I never consider it a small thing, never. I've been ministering for many years, but I never considered a small thing to stand before you and break the bread of life. We're responsible. And so I say thank you again for hopefully. My prayer is that God will take this time you know, we'll never, we'll, be, we'll never be setting in this environment again, ever. I don't know that we will ever have all the people that are here. If we were to come tomorrow, more would come and some would stay away. So you're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. And I can say this, and I want you to take this into your heart. I think it's Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, verse, verse 20, or Mark 18, verse 20. It's verse 18. It's chapter 18, verse 20. Pick the, pick the book. <laughs> but Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, where two or three are gathered, there's more than that in here. He said, I'm in your midst. Amen. And then you think about what the song, the, the, the uh, proverb says. Uh, he says. He says, God inhabits the praises of his people. So as Fred was leading us in song and worship, the presence of God is here. And without a doubt, without a doubt, I believe that we're gathered in that name. And I want you to take this into consideration. Jesus is here. His presence is here. And we as a congregation need to give him attention and give him much reverence. So when we come together like this, it's more than just a gathering. It's more than, thank God you just want to come together as a family. You just want to be with each other. But when you do that, understand the sweet presence of Jesus is here. And as I share the word today, I believe that it's not going to fall on deaf ears. It's going to enter into your heart, and some will leave changed. I like what uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, God, God, the word of God is given by his inspiration, breathed by God. It's good for instruction, and it's good for correction. So some may receive instruction today, but some may receive correction. I'd rather be corrected by God than by man. Amen. Amen. How many has ever been corrected by your parents? <laughs> I remember one time years ago, my mother passed away when I was 16. And we were seven, seven children in the family, and I was the baby. I was not pampered. I was not mother's pet. 
And she'd tell me something to do sometimes. She'd say, Rob, I want you to do this or do that. And I'd, I'd be occupied doing something else. She'd come the second time and she'd say, I, I really want you to do that. Yes, ma'am, I'll do that. And she came the third time. And she had a switch. How many remember, how many remember, how many remember a switch? It didn't ruin my life. And she'd come, she'd come with a switch and she'd say, Rob, I said, Mother, I'm fixing two. I'm fixing to do it. She said, I know it, but it just took you too long to get fixed. <laughs> so when we, hear, when we hear God speak to us, let's be quick to obey. Amen. But he's not going to come with a switch. And he's not going to break your leg to teach you. He's not going to put you in a car wreck to teach you. The word of God is our instruction. Yes. We tell our children, we have four sons. One's in heaven, three's on earth. But we tell our sons, there's two ways to learn, by instruction or by experience. Guess which one don't hurt? <laughs> Moving right along. I want to I share with you today. I didn't realize that was there. I want to share with you today about not being distracted. Don't be distracted. And, and the, little, the little subtitle there is, is there, say, steady as she goes. Steady as she goes. How many has ever been on a ship and the ship pulled into a harbor? And uh, I don't know if they do this on cruise ships, but I'm sure on cargo ships and what have you. When a, when a ship comes into a harbor, the captain doesn't take it in by himself. The harbor sends a pilot. The harbor sends a pilot out to get on the ship and to pilot the ship into the place where it's supposed to dock. Well, when that pilot, now take, 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 the, take this into consideration. The pilot is the Holy Ghost, and we're the captain. So he comes into our life, and we listen to him. So when the pilot comes aboard that ship, he stands beside the captain. The captain has all the, all the mechanism to get this thing into the harbor. But the captain... I mean, the, the pilot knows where all the obstacles are. Everything is in place. And he knows how to get that ship right into harbor. So he's standing beside the captain, and his, his words are, steady as she goes. Church, our life needs to be like that. Don't let things distract us. The word distraction, I looked in the, uh, the uh, Strong's Concordia, is one word. It says to turn. We can turn away from the, de de from the destination God has got us on. Things can distract us, little things, big things. We don't let, need to let things distract us. There was a time I remember watching, uh, watching the Olympics. And the runner, was he was named Carl Lewis. How many remember Carl Lewis? He was a tremendous, tremendous athlete. And he was running the 100-yard race. I call it a 100-yard dash. Now it's a 100-meter dash. But he was running the 100-yard race. And he was out running the guy, Ben Johnson, I believe was his name, running right beside of him. And he had him right at the finish line. He would have won the race, but he did this. Just that, just that, just, just turn, just that turn. And it distracted him. Small things can distract you. And make you lose the race and make you not take not, not get to the destination that God has got for you. I remember Arnold Palmer, I saw I heard him say this. 
He was a tremendous golfer. And he said he had the tournament won. He had won the tournament. And there was a friend of his was following in that Arnold's army, and he was hollering at him, hey, Arnie, hey, Arnie. And he, and he finally, finally, and he knew, he knew he shouldn't have went over his boat to him. But he was coming up. He was coming up, I think, to the 18th hole. And he went over and shook the guy's hand. And he said when he shook the man's hand, he knew he had lost the tournament. That distraction took him off his course. We need to have the attitude of Paul. He said, I've run the race. I kept the faith. I finished. I finished my race. I've done it. He didn't let things distract. I'm going to take you somewhere. The things that the things that Paul went through, and he wasn't distracted. You're gonna to have to work work with me on these on these. Uh, I had I had these in sequence, but I'm just about to get out of sequence. <laughs> how many is that, how many has ever ministered the word and say? I'm going to go this way, and I'm going to stay this way, but all of a sudden, uh-uh. Oh, by the way, by, by, by the way, it's Matthew 18.20. I found the book. I got, I got a note right here. Uh, listen, let's go to, uh, wow, I got so many scriptures. Uh, Go to Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter, chapter 2. And we're talking about staying on course and not getting distracted. Thank God. Thank God we're... we're and the, the, longer, the longer you're in the kingdom, the longer you're in the things of God and have the understanding of the Word of God, the less distractions gets your attention. The less distraction gets your attention. Why? Because you're maturing in the things of God. Do things distract me now? Yes. That's Tricia. Y'all will get that after a while. She never distracts me. George, Debbie, y'all got some time? We, they're, they're marriage coaches. But li listen to this. This is, this is a tremendous scripture. This is what Paul told the church in Ephesus. And this is what the Amplified Classic says. And listen carefully. Listen carefully to what the Word of God is saying to us about us. He said, for we're God's own workmanship. <clears throat> His own handiwork. Recreated. Now, this, this is a tremendous word. We are recreated in Christ. In Christ Jesus, born anew. It, it's, like, it's like God took our old and crumbled it up and threw it and brought our new into Christ. That's why we're, him, we're in him and he's in us. How does he do that? Jesus says, Jesus says, I'm in you and you're in me and we're in Christ, we're in God. You can't separate us. How many has ever tried to separate us? I mean, how, yeah, sweet tea. How many has... How many is familiar with sweet tea? If you're from the South, you're familiar with sweet tea. How many like coffee, cream, and sugar? How many don't like coffee, cream? <laughs> uh, you take, let's, take, let's take coffee, cream, and sugar. You put that in a cup. You put the sugar in. You put the cream in. You put the coffee in. You mix it up. 
You don't separate it. Those three become one. The sweet tea becomes one. We in Christ have become one with him in God. And I like what Paul told the church in Colossia. He said, the real you, as far as this world is concerned, this is my paraphrase. He says, as far as this world is concerned, you're dead. And the real you, the real you is hidden with Christ in God. Can you imagine, can you imagine being hidden with Christ in God, Pastor? If, how many of you ever play hide and seek? How many don't know what hide and seek is? <laughs> how many couldn't care less? No. We used to play, we used to play hide and seek, and somebody couldn't find us. We are so hidden with Christ in God, the devil don't know where we're at. He's not going to find us. But that's our hiding place. That's what Psalms 91 says. Those who are under the shadow of the Almighty. That word shadow means defense. Those who are under the shadow of the Almighty. The devil don't know where you're at when you're in God. Stay in God. Stay connected to the Father. And we give too much credit to the devil. All the devil's doing this. The devil will get out of his path. Hide from him. Under my feet. Y'all want to hear me sing? No, No, you don't want to hear me sing. Somebody said, never mind. But we we need to get the attitude. We need to get the attitude. I am so close to God. I'm so close to Christ. Nothing is distracting me. Nothing is taking my attention away from me. But the further you get in your relationship, or I should say the further you get with your fellowship, thank God we stay in relationship, but we break the fellowship. And when you begin to break the fellowship, that's when you're out there under the umbrella of the devil. And you, uh, the devil's doing that. No, 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 don't give him no credit. I can take you somewhere right now. This is not in, this is not in my notes. And it's not going to be on the screen. But I'm going to take you to this. And hopefully, oh, I'm going to finish this. Thank you, Father, for it. There was a distraction. And I'm going to get right back on path. Listen to this. For we own his own, his own handiwork. That we may do those good works. This is back in verse 10. That we may do those good works. Thank God you've taught on goodness, Pastor. The goodness of God brings people into repentance. That we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths. I hope y'all are reading this. Taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living a good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. If we're, not, if we're not living the good life, we're off the path. If we're not pleasing God and doing those good works, we're off the path. Something, something, something has distracted us. And we're running this race. We're running, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're out of bounds. Stay in the path that God has got for you. 
It says he took this path. He made this path for us to walk in. And it's predestined. I, now, don't get, don't throw. Somebody said a while ago they saw somebody with a bag of tomatoes. Y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. Because when I was up here, I said they could throw tomatoes in them. But, but think about, think about what God wants us to do, Stay, staying on that path, that steady, steady path, doing those good works. Everything we have need of concerning your destiny is on that path, everything. Whatever it is, finances, material, uh, emotions, whatever it is, it is on that path, and we should stay on that path. Complete our course, complete our race. Now, I'm going to take you to where... This is not in my notes, but I want y'all to grab this. This is talking about this is talking about giving uh, giving Satan some uh, credit where he has no credit coming. Look in look in uh, look in Galatians. I'm breaking in a new Bible. I, I have not. I have not developed. I have not developed the iPad. I don't know how to use the iPad. Trisha uses it. Trisha uses it. But I like the word. That's why I've turned page. I see Pastor scrolling. I said, "Oh man, I wish I could do that." <laughs> but listen, listen to this. This is this is what the scripture. This is what Paul told the church in Galatia, uh, chapter five. He says, uh, and he's talking about, and let's, let's start in verse, let's start in verse, uh, wow. <clears throat> All right, I'm, I'm going to start in verse 13. For you, brethren, were indeed called to freedom. Thank God we're free. Only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness, but through love you should serve one another. This is Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I'm going down to, uh, not, not 16, I'm sorry. This is verse 14. For the, for the law concerning human relationships is compiled, is compiled within one precept. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. But, now he's, ta he's talking to the Christian here. He says, but if you bite and devour one another, that's, wow, you know what that sounds like? Christian cannibalism. Well, don't that whet your appetite. He said, but if you bite and devour one another in partisan strife, be careful that you and your whole fellowship are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, that you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, of that human nature without God. Church, he's talking to us today. What's in the world? What's in the world that's trying to get our attention, trying to distract us from living a godly life? Pastor, there's too much stuff out there. I remember, I remember the first microwave. 
1962. No, no, I'm sorry, 1964, that I used. The first microphone, I said, good, Dave, what the world is this? Now people are so used to instant. There was a time, there was a time, y'all might, some might remember this. There was a time when you could go to McDonald's, especially McDonald's, and they would serve your order in just a, just a few minutes, and they would say, I'm sorry it took so long. How many remember, though? It took them two minutes, maybe less, to fix up a, a 15-cent hamburger. <laughs> I just dated myself. A 15-cent hamburger. You, we used to get a Coke, the, the seven, what is it, six or eight-ounce Coke for a nickel. Boy, some of you are saying, what? Yes. Oh, I, I, I'm going to take you further back. I remember, I remember when a gallon of gas was 25 cents. And they'd have gas wars. It was down to 22 cents. I'm going to take you further back. I remember when my father would take me to this, to this service station to get the gas, and the pump had a graduated cylinder above the pump. <laughs> My wife just said, he's old. <laughs> but how many, don't no, you ain't got to raise your hand, but how many remember the graduated cylinder above the pump? And my dad would let me, my, dad, my father would let me pump the gas. And it had the huge lever. And you pump that thing like this, and the fuel come up in there. And you got it by the gallon. You just pump it. I get two, two gallons of gas. And that's 40 cents. We filled up our car the other day for $100. Wow. Moving right along. <laughs> I'm not going to take y'all back any further. Uh-huh. I remember when <laughs> I, rem- I remember when the ice truck used to come down our dirt road in Central Florida. I was three years old. I remember like it was yesterday. I was three years old. And that ice truck would come down the road. And the man had a, it was a huge, huge tarpaulin draped over the back of it to keep the ice from melting. And he'd roll that tarpaulin up. He'd have probably a 200-pound block of ice. And mother would say, Rob, go, go stop him and get me, get me 25 cents worth of ice. We had an ice box, not a refrigerator. So he would, he would take the ice pick and chip around and take the tongs and yes. pop it off. Put it on his shoulder. He had a leather leather uh, pad on his shoulder and bring it in the house and put it in the refrigerator. Refrigerator, put it in the icebox. I don't know why I got off on that, but it sure was good reminiscing. <laughs> distracted. I got distracted. Way to go, Pastor. That's good. <laughs> but, but listen to this. Then, then he goes on to say, For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit, and the desires of the spirit are opposed to the flesh. That's the godless human nature without, uh, for, for these are antagonistic to each other, the spirit and the flesh. Continually withstanding and in conflict with each other so that you're not free but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. That's continual. Then he goes on to say, but if you're guided by and led by the Holy Spirit, you're not subject to the law. Now, the doings and the practices of the flesh, not the devil and not his, 
not his demons, but this is flesh. This is our human nature without God. They are this. This is clear and very obvious. Their immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, that is an ill temper, selfishness, divisions, a party spirit, and that's not that get down spirit. That means you ain't no Democrat and you're not a Republican. Ooh, right in between. Then he goes on to say, those who do such things, no, I'm going to go back up. Envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit working which, with His presence, which, which within accomplishes its love, its joy, its peace, its patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law that can bring a charge. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature, with its passions and appetites and desires. So we, we blame a lot of things on the devil, and it's us. Get control of your flesh. Church, that's a daily, that's a daily deal. I've been born again since I was 17 years old. I got born again 60, over 60 years ago. I know I don't look that young, but I am. I got born again at 17, and I'm still dealing with the things of the flesh. And we will because the, Spirit, the Scripture says that's continuous. That's a continuous thing. The enemies continue trying to come against, and the flesh is crying out. And you take dominion over, over your flesh. Now I want to talk about some distractions. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let's look in, let's look in verse probably 16. 2 Corinthians 4. And verse 16. And this is, this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. He says, therefore, we do not become... Now, this is what... This, think about what Paul went through. He says, therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, and exhausted, and wearied out through fear. Paul went through shipwreck. He's been cold. He's been hot. He's been hungry. He's been beaten and left for dead. And he says, and he says don't be discouraged. Then he goes on to say, through our, though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. And listen to this. For our light momentary afflictions, this slight distress, this is the man writing this who had opportunity to cave in. He said the slight distress of the passing hour is ever more and more abundant abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations, a vast and transistent story of blessedness 
never to cease. Listen to this. Since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are visible, they're temporal, they're brief and fleeting, but the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. Don't let what you're going through get your attention and get you distracted off of what the Word of God says. Tricia said, well, she and I have gone through some stuff. We've gone through a lot of stuff. Family members, friends, relatives, people dying, close, close family dying. Our son went to heaven in 20, uh, 2010. 12, this December would be 12 years ago that our son moved to heaven, 46 years old. We went through that. Thank God we didn't cap out in it. And the one thing, the one thing that got us through that was God speaking to my heart. But he had a disease we couldn't turn. We knew we couldn't turn it. This Holy Spirit told us, you can't turn this. So we prepared our heart for him to go to heaven. And he was ready. He, he was born again, loved God, ready to go to heaven. And God spoke to my heart. I was up one morning praying. I said, God... How do I release my son? How do I let him go? And he spoke so, it was almost like an audible voice. Almost. He said, I've got him. He said, I've got him. Well, you talk about a Holy Ghost jumping fit. I began to praise God, worship God. I said, thank you, Father. He is in heaven. That's his destiny is in heaven. And God gave, God gave Trisha that scripture, Proverbs 18, 14. The strong spirit of, spirit of a man will sustain him and keep him in times of trouble and pain. And I said, thank you, Father. That word is anchored in my heart. Was it easy to walk through? No. But thank God we got through it. We got through it. We didn't camp out in it. And we had opportunity, other opportunities with different families. Our grandson, a little over a year ago, 30 years old, but we knew what his destiny was, and he's in our future. Amen. Go, go with me to, uh, was you going to say something, baby? No. I'm listening. You got, you got me here. Got me. Let's, let's look in, uh, let's look in uh, uh, Mark chapter 4. I'll begin to, I'll begin to, Wind this down. Mark chapter 4. Uh, this, this scripture here is what we based our church on in Virginia. About the sower sowing the word. You, when, whenever you're speaking, whenever you're talking, you're sowing. Whenever, whenever your words come out of your mouth, that is seed coming out of your mouth. You're broadcasting seed. And it's going to produce something. And, and li listen to this. This is uh, previous to this. Jesus, Jesus shared about the, you know, the, you sowing, the, the, the farmer sowing seed, the farmer, and the bird comes and eats it. He sows it on thorns that don't come up. Then he gets into it, and they said, what do you mean by that? And this is what he said in verse 14. And then he brought it, then he began to bring it home. So hopefully I'm going to bring this home. And some of the things that the, I'm going to have the attitude of Peter. Peter said, as long as I'm in this body, I think it's my, I think it's my job to stir you up. 
and put you in remembrance of. I'm going to see a lot of raised hands. How many folks are from the north? That's about 80%. How many remember, how, how many remember sitting by the fire and watching it snow with a nice warm cup of chocolate? Cocoa, mixed cocoa, how many remember cocoa? And you have a nice cup of chocolate milk and you're sitting there watching it snow. It's outside and you're inside and you're enjoying that and you're sipping that, you're sipping that hot chocolate. And it gets a little warmer, and it gets a little cooler. And you look down, oh, man, look at what I left in the bottom of that cup. How many of you ever done that? All you had to do was stir it up. All you had to do was just stir it up. I'm stirring you up. Yes. Making you aware that when you walk out those doors, your life will be changed. And you won't allow things, you won't allow things to distract you, even the smallest thing. I remember seeing a movie one time. This was years ago. I don't remember the name of it. But the little boy was left by his mother. His mother got kidnapped. He, he, they were riding a bus. And they stopped at this bus station in some town. And his mother said, you stay right here and don't you speak to anybody. Don't you say a word to anybody. He was probably 10 years old. So he just shut his mouth and said, well, his mother got kidnapped. Well, he's left there at the bus station. Well, finally, somebody picks him up, some of the officers or somebody anyway. And he was in this crowd of people, and this little boy was trying to find out if he was really deaf. Really deaf, he couldn't talk, you know, deaf and dumb. And he saw this little guy, a lot of, he was looking this way, and the, and the kid was over here, but he saw a reflection in a hubcap. This kid lighting a firecracker, and he watched him in that hubcap. He didn't know he was looking at him. He was watching him in that hubcap, to find out the little boy was truly deaf. He lit the firecracker and it exploded. He didn't flinch because he saw it coming. He saw it coming. God wants us to be so alert that we can see things coming and they'll not distract us. Amen. And then, then, then uh, Jesus goes on to talk about the peril. Verse 14. And the sower sows the word. Now this is going to identify some of you people. Some of you will be identified with this. And if you are, if you are, I hope you're going to make correction. If it's to the negative, if it's to the positive, thank God. He said, and so or so is the word. The ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts. Listen to this. But when they hear, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which is sown in them. You heard it, but you didn't receive it. And in the same way, the ones sown upon stony ground are those who hear the, they hear the word, and at once, listen to this, at once they receive and accept and welcome it with joy. There's a scripture in James chapter 1, I think it's verse 22, and I'm going to paraphrase this. Said the word, the word sown in your heart, if you receive and welcome, receive and welcome the word. You know you can receive it and not welcome it? You can sit right here and receive what I'm saying, walk out and not welcome it. You have that opportunity. You have someone knock on your door, some family member knock on your door, and you're sitting in there with the blinds closed. You look, oh my God, oh, honey, it's them. Oh, 
and they're knocking on the door, and they know, they're, they, they know you're there because they saw you peek through the blind. <laughs> so they're knocking on the door. And you say, oh, man, we got to open the door. So you, you just cheerfully enjoy. You walk to the door. You open the door. Hey, how y'all doing? They're just standing there. And you're talking to them, and they're just easing their way on in. So finally, you say, come, come, come on in the house. Come on in the house. Don't raise your hand. But how many has ever done that? They come, you receive them, but they sure ain't welcome. <laughs> but they're in your house. This word is going in your ear. You're either receiving it and welcoming it, or you're just receiving it. And it won't have any place in your life. But it's up to you to welcome, receive, and welcome the word. Amen? Then verse 17 says, and they have no real, real root in themselves. And so they endure for a little while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended. They become displeased, indignant, resentful, and stumble and fall away. How sad. They had the word, they received the word, they welcomed it, and then all of a sudden, all the persecution comes. Oh, have you heard this? No, no, no. Well, have you heard what the pastor said? Have you heard what deacon so-and-so said? Have you heard what brother so-and-so said? And they begin to contaminate the word. And you begin to walk away from it. Then he goes on to say in verse 18, and the ones sown among the thorns are others who hear the word. All these people heard the word. Then, listen carefully to this, then the cares and anxieties of the world and the distractions of the age. Church, do we have distractions in this age? How many remember, how many remember years ago when the radio was the only distraction? <laughs> that was a loaded question. How many remember no TVs? I didn't have a TV in our house until I was 11 years old. There was not a phone in our house until I was 11 years old. So things did. We used to, we used to play outside at night. And, and mother say, as long as you're within hollering distance, you can play as long as you want. We always come home to get a drink of water or get something to eat. But we stayed close enough for mother to say something to us to call us. Amen. So we didn't, get, we didn't get too far away. The distractions of this age, there's so many things in this world today that can distract even the youngest. Pastor, have you ever gone into a restaurant? Now, I know nobody here does this. You ever gone into a restaurant and you have a family of four and they're sitting there and all of them got their phones out? Yes. All of them have got their phones out in a restaurant. Thank God our children are grown. Our youngest is 55. If, we, if our children had taken a phone in there, I said, that's the last time you're bringing that phone in. You, you ain't going to, mm. That's my own pet peeve. But it's distractions. Then it says distractions of this age, today. And the pleasures and delight 
and false glamour, false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the craving and passionate desire for other things. And listen carefully to this, church. And for other things, it creeps in and chokes and suffocates the word and it becomes fruitless. So what are you allowing? What are you allowing to come in and cover up the word and choke the word and make the word of God of no effect in your life? Let the word of God bring fruit, produce fruit in your life. Amen? And those, here's the good thing. And those sown on the good, well-adapted soil are the ones who hear the word, receive and welcome it, and it bears fruit. Some 30 times as much as sown, some 60 times as much, and some even 100 times. So it's up to us, church. It's up to us to be watchful, put a guard over your heart, Put a guard over your mouth. Put, put, a, put a guard over your mouth. I remember when I was born again at 17 years old, I was a cusser. I didn't curse. I cussed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the youngest of four boys, and they did a good job teaching me. And I tell people that I had a lot of cuss fuzzins. First cousins, cuss fuzzins. They added their supply too. I, 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 was, I was 16 years old. And my next oldest brother, he was nine years older than me. And he did a pretty good job of it. But he came to me one day, Pastor, and he said, Rob, you got a filthy mouth. Him saying that. He said, you got a filthy mouth. I said, brother, you got something to talk about. Then again, I got born again, then again. Again, again. I got born again at 17, March 1962. And I was living, my mother passed away when I was 16. And I was living with my sister and brother-in-law. And I got up one morning, made a mad dash to the bathroom. How many has ever done, don't raise your hands. I mean, it's morning time, and you got to go. And I was making a mad dash to the bathroom. I kicked the door facing with my little toe, and it rolled that toenail back. Everybody said, oh. And I looked down. It wasn't that bad, Denise. <laughs> I looked down, and I saw that, and the first thing that came out of my mouth was either praise God or Hallelujah. That if it had happened the day before, the paint would have come off the walls. Why? Because I had a heart change. I had a heart change. So hopefully today, some of you have been, been born again for years, some for a few months, some for longer than I have. I've been born again for 60 years, over 60 years. Hopefully, hopefully today, will put a mark in your heart and will pierce your thinking to the point I want to change. I want to change the words that I say. I want to change the words that people hear me say. Because you're sowing seed. When you're, when, you're, when, you're, when you're talking, you're sowing seed. So hopefully today in my prayer is church, 
that you'll not get distracted, that you will not let things creep in and choke and suffocate the Word of God. But let the Word rise up in you. Let the Word become life to you. I can't tell you the last time that I, that I cussed. I did, use, I, I did use the cuss word one time to make an illustration to my grandsons. I ain't going to tell you what it was, but let you imagine. They were saying, all C-R-A-P. Don't say, you know what that means. They're just mouthing it out. And I just said the word, what it meant. They said, granddaddy, what did you say? I said, I just said what you said, just a different way. You're using the same word. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. But it's the words that come out of our mouth, the meaning of them. What are we saying that's producing life? What are people hearing coming from us? Is our words a distraction for their destiny? Is what we do and say a distraction for people's walk in their life? Church, let this, let this word anchor down in your heart. And don't let things distract you, and don't you be a distraction. But you be what God wants you to be. Say what God wants you to say. Do what God wants you to do. And make an impact. Make an impact in people's life. Amen? Amen. Did y'all get anything out of this? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Russ.